1: When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to show me that sometimes the witness is harder to find than the killer.
2: sent me? Steve, you'll recall that several former leading Nazis were arrested not long ago on charges of plotting to regain power in Western Germany. Yeah,
1: seven of them in all, including two of Hitler's so-called heirs.
2: There's still another ex-Nazi big shot involved, perhaps the most dangerous of them all, but we haven't been able to get enough evidence to nail him. His name is Heinrich Schwandorf. He could be their new leader. Schwandorf, yeah, I remember him. He's clever, Steve, very clever. And as I said, we haven't been able to pin a thing on him, but we've been digging into his past. Anything we can use? We think so. An American intelligence officer was murdered in Berlin in 1947. The crime was never solved, but we've never stopped working on it. To date, the evidence on hand seems to point to Schwandorf as the killer. But we can't prove that either, huh? We might prove it if we could locate a man named Peter Metnick. He was witness to the murder. Gave us a fair description of the killer. And it adds up to Schweindorf? The description fits him, yes. Unfortunately, it fits a lot of other people. Which means
1: we have to bring Metnick face to face with
2: Schweindorf. It won't be easy finding Peter Metnick, Steve. Displaced person. We've lost track of him. I've already contacted the International Tracing Service in Germany. They'll have checked their DP files by the time you get there. right, Commissioner. A word of caution, Steve. If Schweindorf's found out we're looking for Metnick, he'll try to stop you and get to Metnick first. We want Metnick, Steve, alive. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck.
0: The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand... There, you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. In two weeks on Thursday, March 19th, NBC will send your way a complete and comprehensive description of the glitter and swank of the Academy Awards presentation in Hollywood. This gala distribution of the coveted Filmland Oscar will be described by film star Paul Douglas. Be sure to make a date with the Academy Award Oscar for Thursday, March 19th via this NBC station, as well as a complete description of the proceedings you'll hear the acceptance speeches of the winners. It's Hollywood's biggest night of the year, and it's all to be broadcast directly into your homes by NBC. So remember, Thursday, March 19th, hear the presentation of the Academy Awards Oscar on the NBC radio network.
1: Germany and start tracking down a displaced person named Peter Metnick and hope he can identify a killer for us, an ex-Nazi big shot we'd like to put away for keeps. It's early Friday evening when my plane lands, and I hurry over to the office of the International Tracing Service, an agency of the Allied High Commission.
3: Here's a record of the man you're seeking. Not much information, I'm afraid, still. Well, let's have it anyway, Mr. Vogel. Peter Jan Metnick, profession school teacher, arrested in Prague, 1940. Released by Allied forces in 1945. Has been employed as a dock worker, private tutor, shoe salesman, and farm labor. A brief description of him follows. Height, weight, color of hair, eyes, and so forth. When did you get this information? August 1948. Peter Metnik came to us seeking information regarding a daughter. We succeeded in locating her two years later, but by then Metnik had disappeared. Hadn't he left an address with you? Yes. He had secured employment on a farm in Bavaria, near the village of Linderheim. A farm owned by a man named Carl Whedon. But he'd already moved on by the time you located his daughter, huh? Yes, the owner of the farm was vague. Couldn't seem to remember where Metnick had gone to. Oh,
1: that's where the trail ends, a farm in Bavaria.
3: Look, uh, about Metnick's daughter, where does she live? Frankfurt. I guess I ought to run down there. That will not be necessary, Mr. Mitchell. Fraulein Metnick is here. Oh? When we were informed of your arrival, we immediately contacted her, thinking perhaps she might have heard of her father. She hadn't, but... She insisted on coming here to see you. Good. Thanks. Let's talk to her then. Of course. Excuse me. Fraulein Metnick. Yes. Uh, this way, if you please. Fraulein Metnick, Mister Mitchell.
4: How do you do, Mister Mitchell?
3: Fraulein, sit down, please.
4: Thank you. You are looking for my father, Herr Mitchell.
1: He's in danger. So are you. Because of what your father knows, someone may try to silence him with a threat against you.
4: I don't understand. Your
1: father was a witness to a murder, Berlin, 1947. He saw the killer get away. We think we know now who that killer was.
4: Oh, I see. And you need my father to identify him. Then we must find him quickly Herr Mitchell.
1: First of all, uh, Fraulein, do you have any photographs of your father?
4: I have several snapshots in my purse. Good. Uh, Here. Here, this one. This was taken on the steps of a school in Prague where my father taught. He was there many years, and until he was arrested, that was the last time my mother and I saw him.
1: Ever hear from him after that?
4: Oh, there were a few letters, yes. The last one came shortly before his escape from Buchenwald.
1: I'll want to know all there is to know about your father, his friends, his habits, hobbies, if any,
4: (laughs) even the kind of tobacco he smoked.
1: Yeah, must be something in his past that'll give us a clue as to where he went after he left that farm in Bavaria. Mm Spend the next couple of hours at a quiet little cafe nearby, and Fraulein Lana Metnick fills me in about her father's background later. I borrow a car from Bogle at the tracing service, and Lonnie and I head south for Frankfurt. It's almost 11 that night when we pull into town. We drive straight to her apartment.
4: Yes, that's the building up ahead, Stephen. The small one on the left.
1: Okay, Lonnie.
4: You will come up?
1: Sure. I want to look over those letters and also help you pack. Pack? I'll feel a lot better, Lonnie, after you've moved to a hotel.
4: But I'm not afraid, Stephen.
1: Okay, but you're still going to. What is it? That gent just coming out of your apartment building.
4: You mean the one coming this way? Yeah. You know him?
1: I think so. Excuse me a minute. Oh, just a minute. Yes, what is it? We've met, haven't we? Have we? I'm afraid not. In any event, I don't seem to recall. Perhaps it's just that I recognize you from some photographs? Really? Or at the newsreel, maybe. New <laughs> No, uh, no, I've never been quite that important. But you were, Herr Schwandorf. Schwandorf? You're mistaken. Heinrich Schwandorf of Leipzig, a member of the inner circle of Hitler's stooges. I said you were mistaken, my friend. Now, uh, if you'll excuse me, good night. Sure, but we'll meet again, Herr Schwandorf. Maybe real soon.
4: Who was that man, Stephen?
1: The number one reason why we're going to get you out of here fast. Upstairs in Lonnie's apartment, I read over her father's letters while she packs a suitcase. Ten minutes later, I drive her to a hotel and leave her with the promise that I'll contact her as soon as I get word of Peter Metnick. Then I put in a call to the local law and ask them to find Schwarndorf and if they can, keep an eye on him. Also, keep an eye on Lonnie. An hour later, I'm wheeling my sedan toward the village of Linderheim in Bavaria. Then, as I hit a bumpy stretch of road, I hear something. A muffled groan in the back seat. I slam on the brakes... I reached back and jerked the auto robe off of jerked the oar.
4: Hello, Stephen.
1: Lonnie, look, what's the idea? Oh,
4: please don't be angry with me. I had to do this. I had to come along with you, Stephen.
1: Oh, great.
4: I, I knew you'd refuse if I asked you, so I, I
1: So you stowed away under that auto robe while I was making that phone call. Did you enjoy the trip?
4: No, not very. That bump you hit back there, I hit my knee. Here, you see? Uh
1: yeah. Oh, you're angry with me. No, no, I guess not.
4: Well, I just had to come with you. I'm so worried about my father Okay,
1: and... okay, no point in taking you back to Frankfurt. Now, we'll mush on to Linderheim. It's another four hours' drive to Linderheim, and Lonnie sleeps most of the way under her head on my shoulder. The things I have to put up with sometimes... The sun is coming up just as we pull into a small farm nestled high in the Bavarian Alps. I get out to stretch my legs as a tall blonde gent comes around the barn herding several dairy cows ahead of him. Hello there. Hi. You the owner? Yeah, I am Ernst Weiden. I thought the owner was Carl Weiden. My father.
5: He died a year ago. What can I do for you?
1: I'd like some information about a man who worked here sometime in 1948. A man named Metnick. Metnik.
5: Peter Metnik, but of course. The little schoolteacher. Fine man, I was very fond of him. Herr Metnik and his friend left us in the early part of 1949, I believe. His friend? Yeah, another schoolteacher. Professor, this one. Came here early in the year looking for Herr Metnik. They had known one another at Dachau. His name was, uh, Ingolstadt. Professor Hermann Ingolstadt.
1: Uh, you said they left together. Where did they go?
5: If I remember correct. Uh, Munich. Yeah, yeah, through an exchange of letters with some friends, the Professor Engelhardt had secured a position to teach at a boys' school in Munich. Wallenburg, so Fallbrook, or some name, uh, I think it was like that.
4: Stephen, my father went with him, perhaps in the hope of securing a position at the school as well.
1: Yeah, could be. Well,
4: at least if we could find this <coughs> Professor Engelhardt, he, he might know of my father's whereabouts.
1: Herr Weiden, how do we get on the road to Munich? Come, I'll show
5: you. You can see the road from the rise here. Come. Down there. You see the village? Yeah. On the left, a road? Wrote... Yeah,
1: going past the church.
5: Yeah, that is it. You take that road and...
2: Hey! Lenny. Lenny.
5: Oh, great. Your lady friend seems to be in a hurry. She has left you.
0: Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Did you know that you helped to perform miracles? Human life itself is a miracle. Through the blood you donate and the money you give through your Red Cross, you help to preserve life. And now scientists and physicians have discovered another miracle you have a part in. Blood processed into gamma globulin for use in the prevention of paralysis in polio. To collect the blood, process it into Gamma Globulin for the protection of our children against this dread disease will take a lot of money. In addition, the Red Cross must continue to collect whole blood for civilian hospitals, which it serves, for the Korean wounded, and for the building of a safe plasma reserve for national defense, both military and civilian. Blood gives life. Money packs and sends it. When you give through the 1953 Red Cross Fund Appeal... You are helping to give life. You are keeping the blood bottles filled and delivered. Give, and give generously. Answer the call. Now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
5: left you high and dry Herr Mitchell.
1: She sure has, Ernst.
5: But why would she do a
1: thing like that? That's a good question. Look, I've got to catch her. How far is it into the village? About uh, three kilometers. Ah, that gives her even more of a head start. Okay. Once I leg it in, is there a police station of some kind?
5: Yeah, a constable. Good.
1: Maybe I can borrow a car and
5: overtake her. You could never overtake her with what you could borrow from the constable. What do you mean?
1: A bicycle. Oh, great. That just about licks me. No, wait a minute. Is there a telephone in the village? Yeah. See you later. In the village, I telephone our legation in Munich and ask him to check and try to locate the boys' school where Professor Engelhardt teaches. Half an hour later, they call me back and give me the name of it. I put in a call to the headmaster doctor...
6: Professor Engelhardt is on a holiday in Salzburg. He goes there often for his health. He must be careful, you know. He was gassed in the First World War, and it bothers him quite a bit. I was telling him only the other day... Uh, yeah,
1: look, Dr. Grumper, do you remember when Professor Engelhart first came to your school a few years back? Of course. Was there a man with him, a man named Metnick?
6: No, he arrived alone.
1: Oh, fine, another lead gone.
6: He had, of course, been traveling with this Metnick. What's that? But Metnick was killed in a train accident. Killed? Yeah, at a village not far from here. Um, Freiburg, I think he said.
1: Yeah. Freiburg. Okay, one thing more, Dr. Grumper, if anybody else makes inquiry about Engelhart or Metnick, and I think someone will, you give out the same information you gave me. I grab the next train and head for Freiburg at this point. It looks like I'm cooked on the deal, but I've got to be sure at Freiburg. I check with the local law, and they let me look through their files, and sure enough, there's a report of Metnick's death. Then, while I'm still looking it over, they usher somebody else into the room.
4: What, well, Stephen.
1: Oh, Lonnie.
4: Well, how, how did you get here?
1: I took a shortcut.
4: Stephen, my father's dead. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what the headmaster told me, but... Well, I couldn't believe it. I had to be sure. That's why I came here.
1: I guess there's no doubt about it, Lonnie. Hey, look, why did you grab the car and beat it back there at the farm?
4: Because I didn't think you were telling me the truth. What do you mean? Well, I I thought my father must be in trouble or must have done something. I thought you were after him. Then when I saw you talking with the Nazi, Schwandorf...
1: Oh, so you did know him.
4: Of course. Many of us have good cause to know him. I thought the two of you were working together. I see. So when that farmer told us about the boys' school, my only thought was to get to my father and warn him. Later I realized I must be mistaken about you. I'm sorry, Steve, I...
1: Well, like you say, I guess it doesn't matter anymore.
4: How did it happen, Steve?
1: Well, according to the report here, Professor Engelhart and your father, Peter Metnick, had hitched a ride on a train. Riding the rods, we call it. Your father fell off to the tracks and. Uh, well, you can guess the rest. Yes. Sorry, Lonnie.
4: Thank you, Steve. Well, what now?
1: I wanted to find your father because I figured he could pin a killing on Schwandorf. Now, maybe I'd better talk to Professor Engelhart if I can find him.
4: You think he might have some information?
1: Maybe. He was traveling with your father.
4: Well, if he can tell me anything, I want to talk to him also.
1: Well, we'd better check that headmaster at the boys' school in Munich, see if he can give us a line on Engelhart.
6: As I told you over the telephone earlier, Herr Mitchell, Professor Engelhardt is in Salzburg. I know, but where in Salzburg, Dr. Grumper?
4: Did he mention any specific hotel or, or resort there?
6: No, but he usually stays at one of three places. I'll write them down for you. You have no trouble finding them when you arrive. Thanks. Ah, here you are.
1: One other thing. I don't know what Engelhardt looks like. You happen to have a picture of him? Picture?
6: Let me see. Yeah. Uh, here. Here's a class picture. Professor Engelhart with his students. Hey, wait a minute. What is it?
1: Yeah, that's Peter Metnick.
4: My father, Stephen.
1: What are you talking about? This is Professor Engelhart. No, no. The real Engelhart must have died in that accident. Metnick saw a chance to get lost from Schwandorf, so he's been posing as Engelhart ever since.
4: Well, then he's alive, Stephen. He's alive.
1: Yeah, and in Salzburg. Come on. <laughs> burn up the road to Salzburg, I head for a phone booth to call the places the headmaster gave me. One of them has no phone, so I call the other two. Ronnie waits outside the booth for me. I draw a blank on both places.
4: Any luck, Stephen?
1: No, we'd better head for the third place on the list.
4: All right.
1: I casually brush some tiny tobacco flakes off the counter and start to leave the booth. Then I stop. Tobacco. Pipe tobacco. Something registers all of a sudden.
4: What are you waiting for?
1: Just thought of another call I should make. Wait for me in the car. She wanders off. I put through a quick call to my friend Vogel at the displaced persons tracing service.
3: Mr. Mitchell, I've been trying to get in touch with you.
1: That doesn't surprise me, Vogel. Was it about Lonnie?
3: Yes. You left my office to take her to her apartment.
1: Yeah. She stowed away in my car.
3: But later I called her apartment and talked to the real Lonnie Metnick. The woman with you is an imposter.
1: I kind of figured that just now. Some flecks of pipe tobacco rang a bell.
3: Pipe tobacco? I don't understand.
1: I'll explain later. Right now I'm fresh out of time. (laughs) I go outside to the car. Lonnie's nowhere in sight. I've got to act fast. I go to the third address on my list. Yep. They tell me Lonnie just left. She'd been asking about the professor who's at the band concert in the park. The band is tooting away full blast. When I get there, people are milling around. I look for Metnick. Finally, I spot him just leaving the park. Lonnie's right behind him, and I've got a strong hunch he's holding a gun in his back, maneuvering him to a quiet spot to kill him. I've got to slip up without her seeing me. One peep out of me, and Metnick's a dead duck. They move on out of the park and down a quiet walk that runs along one side. I follow them. Just as they start across the street, a little black sedan swings around the corner and heads for them fast. Suddenly, I get a hunch what's going to happen. Metnik! watch out! They jump back just in time. The car whips by and heads for me. I grab a push cart and shove it toward the car as I dive to one side. The driver swerves and goes up on the sidewalk. I run over to it just as Schwandorf tries to get out the door with a gun. He slumps against the door. I grab his gun and whirl toward Metnick and Lonnie. Then I relax. Metnick's got her gun and is hurting her toward me. Who are you? And who is this girl? I'm Steve Mitchell, United States agent. This girl was hired to find you and knock you off to keep you from putting the finger on this boy in the car.
5: Huh? Heinrich Schwandorf.
1: You remember him, huh? Yes, indeed I do. I saw him kill a man several years ago. That's what we wanted to know. That cooks Mr. Schwandorf.
4: That's fine. He tried to run us down in
1: the car. Sure, he wanted you both out of his way. You'd already served your purpose as far as he was concerned. But
4: I was his girl. He tried to kill me. Don't worry. If you need any more against him, I'll give you plenty.
1: I don't doubt it. How did you find out about this girl, Mr. Mitchell? She was posing as your daughter, Mr. Metnick, but a few flakes of tobacco in a phone booth put me wise to her just in time.
4: Tobacco? I don't understand.
1: It made me remember you're talking about your father's favorite pipe tobacco. But I do not smoke. That's right. I should have known that as soon as I learned you'd been badly gassed in World War I, but it didn't register until just a few minutes ago. Yes, sweetheart, you were doing great until I spotted the tobacco. Then you just sort of went up in smoke.
0: Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. If musical entertainment is high on your list of enjoyable radio programming, then NBC's Monday Night of Music was designed especially for you. When you set your radio dial to most NBC stations on Monday, you'll hear such stellar programs as The Railroad Hour, The Voice of Firestone, The Telephone Hour, and Encore. The Railroad Hour presents Gordon McRae and his charming guest stars in memorable operettas. Howard Barlow conducts the orchestra and chorus on The Voice of Firestone, and the program always features the finest guest musical artists. The Telephone Hour brings you the music of Donald Voorhees and the Bell Symphonic Orchestra, as well as famous guests from the realm of music. Also on Monday evening, you'll enjoy hearing encore with the musical talents of Meredith Wilson, Marguerite Piazza, and Robert Merrill. These three stellar musical personalities each Monday bring you the melodies that you want to hear again. So, make it a date to be one of the millions of people who each Monday night... Enjoy NBC's musical program schedule. Next week, the Philippines and a phantom ship. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Jim Davis, Pamela Duncan, Henry Rowland, Paul Freeze, and Rye Billsbury. This is John Storm speaking. Today, our reserve of blood plasma retained from World War II is almost exhausted. This is serious, for in many battle casualties, there's no substitute for blood. Make your donation of blood for the armed forces. Call your Red Cross chapter or local blood donor center today for an appointment. All types of blood are needed. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Doe and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed dangerous assignment. Each weekday, hear One Man's Family on NBC.